Welcome back to another episode of the Isaiah K Podcast. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Um, we got we got some stuff to get into. We have LeBron, Lakers, Clippers. I'm going to tell you how I felt about that. I told you guys that LeBron is on a mission. Uh, I've been said it, um, but I'm going to get into a little bit more of that um, today. We're gonna, welcome back. So we're going to get into that today. Um, we're going to talk about some Cowboys and Dak contract talks. Um, that's been roaming around the headlines. Uh, we got a lot to get into. So without further ado, we're going to get started. And I catch you guys on the other side after this. Shout out to the Spotify listenership, uh, Apple Podcast listenership, iHeartRadio listenership, um, all those platforms that you guys uh, use and utilize to listen to this podcast. Thank you. Uh, <clears throat> thank you to all those listeners out there. So, <laughs> LeBron does it, does it again. LeBron does it again. Uh, he had a tremendous weekend. LeBron had a tremendous weekend beating the Bucks. The number one team in the league, period, and the number one team in the league um, with, you know, uh, I, I guess the, the MVP frontrunner and Giannis. Um, and then he takes on the Clippers on Sunday. They're fully loaded. They're fully healthy. They've had, they have their whole entire squad. And LeBron James takes down both of them. The, the Lakers, LeBron James and the Lakers takes down both of them. And I know I've been hearing... You know, the chatter and the talk about how great LeBron is and is LeBron the MVP. Uh, and I, okay, let me, let me just address that really quickly. Even though LeBron says he doesn't care about the MVP, like he doesn't care about that. He don't play for individual awards. Even if he does, and even if he does care about it, it's okay. It, you can care about multi, multiple things. You can, you can care about multiple things. You can care about winning MVP and winning the NBA Finals as well. You can't. You can care about those things at the same time. But he says he doesn't care. Um, historically, as we all know, there's been cases where the best player don't always. The best player in the league doesn't always win MVP. It's been multiple. It's, been, it's multiple. It's happened multiple times. It's happened multiple times to LeBron James. Is that? I mean, it, it, it's happened. It happens. Carmelo won the MVP. We all know Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan was the best player on the floor when he wanted to be the best player on the floor. Simple as that. And that's what brings me to my point about LeBron James. Because I, I want to do, I want to attack two things. I want to attack two things. Whether if he wins MVP or not, he probably won't. But who cares? If he wins MVP or not, okay. If he wins it, great for LeBron. He has five of them. If he doesn't win it, okay, who cares? But LeBron, at year 17, age 35, I know people have been talking about it. Now, you know, how there is longevity. I, I've been talking about all those things. I've been talking about all those things for a minute now. And I came on here a couple weeks ago and I said, LeBron James is the best player on the he's the best player. In basketball, he's the best player in the world, and it's not even close. And I don't know, you know, you guys say, oh, I don't know, Giannis and Kawhi. I'm like, okay. And like I said about Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan in his later years, like, 
LeBron's prime, nobody's better than LeBron. Look, like, nobody when LeBron was in his prime, nobody was better than LeBron. And it was LeBron and then everybody else. Like it was a it was a tremendous gap. And I often compare LeBron's prime to Jordan's prime because it's very similar. Very similar. Jordan when LeBron's when LeBron's prime, it was LeBron is ultimately the undisputed best player in basketball. And whoever's second, second, and they're just they're, 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 they're not even close. That was Jordan. Jordan in his prime was undisputedly the best basketball player in the world and dominated every night. As Jordan aged, as LeBron aged, there has been, you know, you know, you know, you know, Carmelo won MVP, Giannis has won MVP, Steph Curry has won MVP. You know, other guys come along, and you know, you know, we, we give a lot, we, we give a lot of praise to those guys like Steph Curry and Giannis, Derrick Rose, and we often say, "Oh man, you know, they, they, these are great players," and we give them a lot of accolades, we give them a lot of love and joy, and I understand it, I understand it completely, wholeheartedly, I understand it. But you know, we we just have these, we have these type of moments. Jordan and LeBron had these type of moments. That make you go back and think, oh, they're still the best player in the world. And that was LeBron James' moment this year. See, historically, or just, you know, you guys, for the older people, you, even though Michael Jordan played, you know, with the Wizards, as, you know, as his last team, the, stand, the last standout play that Michael Jordan made is the shot. The shot in game six against Utah at Utah. He steps back, he pulls, you know, he steps back, snatch back, and he hits the he hits the mid-range jump shot and he holds his follow through. That's the that's the last iconic moment that most Michael Jordan fans remember. Right? But we often talk about that moment, but we don't talk about the previous moments that led up to that moment. Those previous moments, those previous moments that led up to that shot where Jordan, you know, holds the follow through, we don't talk about those moments. We don't talk about Jordan stealing the ball from Karl Malone. We don't talk about Jordan Jordan scoring on the on, on, on two previous possessions. We don't talk about those possessions. We don't talk about those shots. We don't talk about those plays. But we always refer back to the iconic shot and the hold the pose and the push off. Or some would argue not a push off. We always go back to that moment. But with LeBron, it's the same thing. You know, in the 2016 finals, it's like, oh, the block. And people just like and, and they talk about Kyrie's shot, but they just totally disregard LeBron's block. But my main point is here. It's not about the numbers. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna wear you out with how many points LeBron has scored. I'm not gonna do that. I'm not gonna do that. I'm not gonna do that. I'm not gonna tell you how great he looks at 35 in year 17 because who hasn't said that already? Everybody's been saying that. I've said that already. I told you guys this two weeks ago. I told you guys this that LeBron was still the best player on planet Earth. But what I am gonna tell you is that like this weekend looked a lot like Jordan's dominance. Dominance. This weekend looked like LeBron's ready. He he looks locked and loaded for playoffs. This weekend, what LeBron showed us, he's playing he's playing winning basketball. He's playing winning basketball. He made winning basketball type plays. He made winning basketball type plays. And that is what's gonna get that's gonna get the Lakers over the top. Winning basketball on tight plays. You know, LeBron, he would always try to make the right play. He's always known for making the right play. He got heavily criticized early on in his career for making the right play. But LeBron has lifted, he has uplifted the Lakers, his organization, through tragedy, and has overcome, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say a tremendous skills gap, but there is a talent gap. There is a talent gap. You know, Avery Bradley plays well. And, you know, AD is looking like top five player AD. 
You know, yes, guys playing defense. LeBron plays defense. LeBron is playing defense. He took on the challenge this weekend, this past weekend, with guarding Giannis, with guarding Kawhi at times where he strapped up. He strapped up defensively. And we're not going to talk about it because, we, you know, we just rave off his offensive game. And, we've, and LeBron has been given a lot of slack about his defense these last few years. But we're not going to talk about this. Go look at LeBron James' first five years in the league. He made all, he made first five years in the league, he made an all-defensive team. His first five years in the league, he made an all-defensive team. Go back and look at his defensive numbers those year, those years. Match them up with this year. They look very similar. They look very similar. They look very similar to a, a, a first team all-defense type of guy. That, that is the type of defense that LeBron James is playing this year when he decides to play defense. So don't Tell me, hey, he's he's slacking on defense. Don't just talk about what he's doing offensively. Talk about what he's doing defensively as well, because we get we've been giving a we've been giving him a lot of slack, because of the due to the lack of defense he has shown, on, the lack of effort on defense. You know, he, his defense has fallen off in the last few years, as you know, as age, you know, as he's gotten older, his defense has taken a dip. But go back and look at those first five years in the league. He made an all-defensive team all five years. And go look, back at, go, go, look, go look back at his numbers. His numbers this year look very similar to those years. And this is what I mean by winning plays. Him, him, him diving on the floor. Him blocking shots. Getting extra, extra possessions for teammates. I'm up there. And this is, the, this is the one thing about LeBron that gets me. This is the one thing. If I had to nitpick, if I was nitpicking about LeBron and, you know, how he goes about the game or how he has gone about the game in past years, you know, the one thing I would nitpick at LeBron is when his teammates lack confidence, when, they're not sure, when, when his teammates could be having a rough stretch, yeah, he'll still give them the ball. He'll still let them do what they got to do. He'll still put the ball in the right places. But there would be a lack of confidence right there. There would be a lack of confidence. And look at a guy like Avery Bradley, who started off the season slow, but, I mean, he played his best game as a Laker on Sunday. He played his best game as a Laker on Sunday, and the reason why he was, he was able to do that is because LeBron James empowered him. So... You know, and and let's you know, let's just talk about the Lakers now. The Lakers, are, they have been. What yesterday showed me was, I mean, on Sunday, excuse me. What Sunday showed me is that they are really, really good and elite defensively, especially in the interior. Um, in the interior, in the inside, they are very elite. They 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 they're very elite. Uh, and they have some. And they have some gifted wing defenders at times with Danny Green, um, Avery Bradley. Caruso brings a lot of energy. Uh, KCP isn't a bad defender. And then LeBron, when he when he decides to play defense, LeBron has been playing some really good defense. So, and then you have AD and, and JaVale McGee anchoring the middle. So, I like what they have been doing defensively. And they, they, they throughout, the, throughout the game, Throughout both games, look at both games. Giannis in the first quarter dominates. He has ten points. He's he's I think he scores the Bucks ten. He scored the Bucks first ten out of twelve points. He was going crazy. They adjusted. They adapted. Giannis had a big first quarter, but Giannis in the after the first quarter on his play even like like I said, despite him scoring thirty two, his thirty two didn't feel. Like it was a 32. He didn't have his his fingerprints on this game. He didn't. And and LeBron's defense was a big part of that. The Lakers defense was a big part of that. Um Paul George had a, a big he had a big game on Sunday. But he got he 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 got slowed down in some in certain spots where the Lakers needed to stop, they gotta stop. The Lakers needed to score, they gotta score. Um, and it, it was it was really good to see 
that that you know the, the, even though the bench production you know that's been the the main struggle with the Lakers is their bench production and the lack of production when LeBron is off the floor even though yes I get it Bradley you know Avery Bradley had a get a, a big night Avery Bradley's not gonna give you those he's not gonna give you twenty four four games and he's not gonna give you that four games in the series he's just not but you can't ha- you can't have you can have multiple contributors and multiple guys that step up in different moments. You know, the, the first game of the season with the, against the Clippers, Danny Green had 28. Down Avery Bradley on Sunday had 24. So as long as you have that consistent role guy or, you know, you have a multitude of role guys that can have one of those games for you that you, you I mean, ultimately you need that type of performance from, that's that's big, that's big. Um, you know, and Kuz, Kuzma and Kuzma would be a great. He would have he, like Kuzma's really the X factor. Kuz had eight points and ten rebounds on Sunday. He had a pedestrian game. I'm not gonna say he had a bad game. He had a pedestrian game. But if Kuz can really step it up and start, you know, if he can fit into that thir- that third option role for the Lakers, it makes them even more difficult to beat. And they they truly with this with this stretch of games this week last weekend this past weekend the Lakers truly looked like an elite team because um, some people early on the season questioned were they elite or are they just beating up on some bad teams and the some people and some of the media was like hey their strength of schedule. Is isn't very good. I'm like, how can you make that argument in the NBA when you play everybody? You play literally everybody. So the strength of schedule argument is crap. It's BS and it's crap. So I, I'm looking at you know the Lakers. All prof, all hats off to the Clippers. I I, I still like the Clippers. I, I I still like the Clippers. Um, I like what they can do defensively. I I really like they, what they can do defensively on the perimeter. Um, I think their bench is a little bit more stronger than the Lakers. I do. I still think their bench is a little bit more stronger because Lou Will had an off night. Uh, Marcus Morris had an off night. So how I don't know how you know how many nights are they gonna have like that? I don't know. But I still think the Clippers bench is stronger. Um, I think their structure structure is a little bit better. But if Le- if nobody laid down, if like if LeBron is unstoppable and he's having his way, they're, they're not going to be able to beat them. And Anthony Davis, once again, got off to a slow start a little bit, but in the second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter, really got it going. He took advantage of the mismatches, and that is what I was looking for. I was looking for Anthony Davis to take advantage of the mismatches, and I wanted to see, going into the fourth quarter, how the Lakers going to look without LeBron? I was like, okay, this is the perfect scenario. The Lakers have, they have not, not a sizable lead, but the Lakers have a nice lead. LeBron's on the bench. Let's see what happens to the offense. It didn't, it, it didn't get very stagnant. The offense didn't get stagnant, but the offense with the Lakers... It looked more. It looked more. It looked more efficient. And listen, and this is what I mean by the postseason. The postseason, you gotta have, you gotta have, you gotta have a multiple, a multitude of ways to score the basketball. In the postseason, you have to have a multitude of ways to score the basketball. Anthony Davis took full advantage of the mismatches. I like it. I like what I saw. One last thing, LeBron plays out of the post. What did I tell you guys? I said, if LeBron plays in the post, that would create more offensive, that would create better offensive opportunities for him and the other four guys on the floor. I said that. He's, he got in versus Milwaukee versus the Clippers. He got in the post, and his post touches against those two teams, he was very effective. He had the fadeaway jump shot going. He was able to pass out the post. And then when it was just like, okay, I'm going to take this man to the cup. He did so, and he did so efficiently. 
Lakers were also able to get switches. But in the post, I told you guys, LeBron in the post, I don't know why he doesn't like to post up. But when LeBron posts up, he's efficient. He's effective. The offense, it creates better opportunities for the offense. When he is when he's on the block, it creates so much more opportunities. The floor is wide open. Anthony Davis is able to, you know, use his stretch big abilities to shoot the ball. Then you have you have shooters around him. I think this is the I think I think the Lakers need to go back. I think LeBron and they need to use that post post up LeBron a lot more in the postseason. Brooklyn this weekend, and when I came on the Saturday pod, uh, I didn't want to talk about that issue, but since we're here, and you know, we're in the new week, why not talk about it right now? So, the Brooklyn Nets are sitting at the seventh spot in the Eastern Conference, the seventh seed in the Eastern Conference, they're five games below 500 at 29 and 34, they're sitting at 29 and 34. Now, with Kyrie Irving, didn't have much expectations for this team. I didn't. I did not have much expectations for this team. Going into the season, I thought, yeah, it could probably be a playoff team with Kyrie Irving. But could they win a, a playoff series? I was like, nah, they don't have Kevin Durant. You know, that's what I thought. They didn't have Kevin Durant. I thought they can get a 7 or 8 seed like, I, like they have right now, like where they are right now. And I said, yeah, maybe they can get maybe they can get a lower seed and get to the playoffs. But don't win around. Not gonna win around. So Kenny Atkinson, he, you know, he steps down from his job. Mutually is a you know, they mutually parted ways. I like that phrase. I like when people say, hey, you know, mutually parted ways. Him and this company mutually parted ways. Kenny Atkinson and the Brooklyn Nets mutually Parted ways. Mutually parted ways. Okay? So I'm automatically thinking, I'm like, okay. Because this caught me by surprise when I saw this report. And when I uh, when I updated it, when I uploaded it up to my social media pages where, you know, you guys can follow to get all the news. But when I uploaded it and posted it, you know, I was like, oh, let's do some more digging. So, lo and behold, you know, I, you know I, I, I've been getting on Kyrie. I've been, uh, I, I, I would say these last, the last year or so, year and a half or so, I've been a bit critic of Kyrie. I've been a big critic of Kyrie. But never would I think, hey, you know, you know. But looking at this report and, you know, Kenny Atkinson saying mutually parted ways with the Nets and he steps down from the job, I'm, I'm, automatically, I'm automatically thinking, oh, boy. Oh, boy. Kyrie didn't say something. Kyrie, Kyrie didn't got the coach fired. Kyrie has made the coach step down. That's automatically what I'm thinking. But, Lord and behold, it was, I see, I'm seeing reports. Yeah, Kyrie wants Ty Lue, but I'm seeing reports. Um, uh, what, what, Kevin Durant? Kevin Durant questioned Kenny Atkinson in the culture? Uh, championship culture? Kevin Durant? Kevin Durant? Coach Killer? Nah, not Kevin Durant. I would have thought Kyrie Irving first. Kyrie Irving's an egotistical guy. You know, kind of difficult to deal with. His character kind of difficult to deal with. You know, I'm like, oh, yeah, he's kind of a difficult guy to coach. I'm thinking Kyrie. But it's Kevin Durant. It's Kevin Durant that's questioning Kenny Atkinson's you know, whether or not if he's the right coach for a championship coach culture, he's questioning him, right? He's questioning Kevin Durant. So I'm like, oh wow, okay, Kevin Durant. But but I'm thinking I'm like, okay, <clears throat> sorry. 
But I'm thinking, I'm, I'm, but I'm thinking, I'm like, okay. Kevin Durant coming from the Warriors, he's won two titles. You know, I'm like, okay, yeah, Kevin Durant, yeah, yeah. He knows, he knows when he sees the championship winning coach. He knows when he see, he knows one when he sees one. So I'm like, okay, you know, okay, we give, we're gonna give Kevin Durant the benefit of the doubt, okay? But then I did, you know, I did some more, think, some more thinking and research, and I'm like, wait, 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 wait. Isn't this, isn't it this, isn't Kevin Durant the same guy that questioned Steve Kerr? Mind you, Steve Kerr, you know, been to a couple finals already, won a title already before Kevin Durant got there, then won two more titles with Kevin Durant. Still, at that time, Kevin Durant questioned Steve Kerr at times, questioned, you know, the things, certain things that Steve Kerr do schematically. But I'm like, okay, you know, what do I know? But then I think about, like, Oh, didn't Kevin Durant do the same thing to Billy Donovan? Didn't Kevin Durant do the same thing to Billy Donovan? Billy Donovan. Kevin Durant did the same thing. He questioned Billy Donovan. And, you know, offensively, schematically, what are we doing? You know? That, that, that's the same exact thing he did to Billy Donovan. So I'm like, hold up. Wait, 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 wait. So you're telling me Kenny Agerson steps down. Okay, he mutually part ways with Nancy, steps down. And then you're also going to tell me Kyrie didn't pull any strings? No, Kevin Durant had the most say-so. Okay. Which I kind of figured because now Kevin Durant, with him being a part of the Brooklyn Nets organization and as their best player, as their most prized piece, expected. He's going to have a lot of say-so. But that led me to my research, and I have displayed that to you guys. So, this is the same Kevin Durant that questioned Steve Kerr, the same Kevin Durant that questioned Billy Donovan. He's now questioning, he, well, he already questioned Kenny Atkinson and whether or not he's a championship level or a championship winning coach. Okay? And, yes, I, I'm glad that the door is open now. For guys like Ty, like first Mark Jackson or a guy like Tyron Lue, because Mark Jackson, I feel like the NBA has been blackballing him. I feel like the NBA has been blackballing him. I don't know why. I don't know why they've been blackballing Mark Jackson, but what he did with that Warriors team, what he built, like, you know, the way how he built that Warriors team, I don't feel like he gets nearly enough credit. I don't feel like he gets nearly enough credit. Now, I know Steve Kerr, took over that team, and really took them to the next level. But there's we, those we, Mark Jackson was there for the years where Steph Curry became an all-star level player. He was there for the years where Klay Thompson was starting to establish himself as one of the best shooting guards in basketball. He was also there where Draymond Green was turning into one of the most versatile players in basketball. He was there for that process. So I would like to see him get enough opportunity, especially a good opportunity such as Brooklyn with, by coaching Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and these other guys that they have. But besides that point, I don't get it with Kevin Durant. It's kind of, and this is my thing with Kevin Durant. I like Kevin Durant. I like Kyrie Irving. I like Kyrie Irving's talent a lot. I think sometimes Kyrie Irving could be a little moody, and I think Kyrie Irving could be, uh, like, just, I don't know, just, uh. And I feel the same way with Kevin Durant. Kyrie, Kyrie, Kyrie is that guy. Kyrie, let me, let me tell you the guy that Kyrie is. That I think he comes off as, because I never have met Kyrie, um, I, I so I don't know. I can't, obviously, I can't speak to it. Because I've met some ballplayers, but I haven't met Kyrie. I've met some ballplayers, but I haven't met Kyrie. But this is the type of guy that Kyrie comes off as. He come off as the guy that's, you know, he thinks he says he th he, he thinks he says something really really smart and profound, but like the rest of the group would would be like, he's that dude in the room that would say something like he think he's saying something so profound and so like powerful that it's like 
the other people in the in the room will be like, bro, we, we already know that. Like that's the guy that that's the type of guy that Kyrie strikes me as. He's that guy that just said he 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 thinks he's saying something so powerful, and it's you know it's so significant, and we like, and the other people in the room was like, bro, um, we kind of already knew that, you know, or what what are you talking about? <laughs> that that's the guy that that's the guy that Ky, that's the that's the guy I think Kyrie is, but with Kevin Durant. He's kind of aloof to me. KD's kind of aloof. Uh, shaky personality, uh, Twitter fingers, uh, burner accounts, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. That that's just KD, I guess. I don't know. I I just I, I just couldn't see, you know, KD look like he looks like a good guy. He seems like a good guy. But, you know, and he's from the area, but I don't, I, don't, I just don't uh, I never understood his personality. I never quite got it. I never could quite grasp it. But I'm sure he's a good guy. I'm sure he's a good guy. But with but with, with with Durant, I don't know how he can say such thing when first, here's my thing. Kevin Durant has never played for Kenny Atkinson. He doesn't know what it feels like to play for Kenny Atkinson. I, I, how can you say, hey, hey, you know, hey, this guy? I'm I'm sitting back watching him coach. Yeah, he's he's not fit, and I'm not gonna question him. I'm not gonna question Kevin Durant on it because, once again, he's played for a championship level coach and Steve Kerr, so he would know he's won championships. So I'm not gonna question Kevin Durant and his basketball intelligence. I'm not gonna do that because he's a great basketball player and he's a, and I'm sure he knows the game very well. So I'm not gonna t- question his intelligence. But, I mean, I kind of found it awfully strange that you say, hey, <laughs> yeah, this guy right here, this coach, hey, I don't think he can coach. I don't, I, I don't think he has what it takes. But you haven't played a game for him, Kevin. You haven't played a game for him, Kevin. You haven't played a game for, for the coach. Yeah, I, I'm sitting back, you know, sitting back watching. I don't think he has what it takes. That's what Kevin's saying. He don't think he has what it takes. I was like, okay. Okay. Um, once again, another thing is, another thing is this. Hey, I was like doing, especially last year when the Nets experienced some success, I was under the impression that 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 Kenny Atkinson was a guy that had good culture, that developed good culture within Brooklyn. I was under that impression that Kenny Atkinson is one of those coaches that can build good coaches. He he did it in Brooklyn. Brooklyn was looked at as one of the best coaches, if not the best culture in basketball. Be, excuse me, because of the way of the, you know their style of play, but not only their style of play, but how they play for their coach, how they play for each other. Brooklyn was looked at last especially last year as one of those teams and cultures that stood out the most. So I'm like, Kenny Atkinson did build that. So I'm like, uh Okay. I don't I don't know. I don't I don't understand it. I don't get it. I don't get it. Cause Kenny Atkinson last year, he was looked at he was looked at as one of those coaches that built that develops and built good cultures. He builds good cultures. But now Durant saying, "Hey, yeah, this this culture right here is not it. This is not what it takes." So you know what can Brooklyn do? And you know Kenny Atkinson, he's sort of writing on the wall. He got out of there before the offseason. Okay, I feel him. I feel him. He got he got out of there before the offseason. But Kevin Durant, it just goes back to me with a, you know. Hey, I'm just, I'm just saying with this Brooklyn thing, because I, I I'm not gonna I'm not gonna make a hot take yet about Brooklyn, but I feel like as we get closer, you know, to Kevin Durant returning, I'm gonna have a serious hot take about Brooklyn, and it's not gonna be until next year. It's not gonna be until next year, but <clears throat> the way how this is excuse me, the way how this is transpiring, I don't like it at all. 
I don't like how the way this thing is transpiring at all in Brooklyn. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just me. Because, I mean, a couple weeks ago, we had Kyrie, the Kyrie comments with, you know, you know, guys such and such. You know, they're here for the, they're here meanwhile for the, you know, just for now. But these other guys, like, this is who we should build around. Like, that, that Kyrie comment, you know, DeAndre Jordan's comment with, you know, trying to stand up for Kyrie. But he really sounded, he, he, sent, he, he didn't sound too wise um, when talking to reporters and answering questions um, when it came to Kyrie. He didn't, have, he didn't sound too too wise. And I'm not, I'm not calling DeAndre Jordan a dumb or anything, but just in that instance, in his responses, they weren't wise. I didn't think they were, I, I didn't think they were the best responses. I didn't think they were wise. So, um, and then now, Kenny Atkinson parting ways, and then Kevin Durant, you know, saying, hey, yeah, he was not fit at all for the culture, for the champion, for a championship culture. I'm like, okay. I take your word, but I just don't like how the way this thing is playing out in Brooklyn. I don't like how it's, I don't like how it's playing out. I don't. I'm already not liking how it's playing out. I already had issues. I already had. I, I already had uh, concerns health wise with both players. Um, Kyrie, he's had. He's he's been this year. He's been in and out of the lineup, and then now. He's out for the season with uh, shoulder surgery. So, I don't, you know, is Kyrie damaged goods? You know, this torn Achilles for Durant, he'd be 31 next year. I mean, 80% of Kevin Durant is still better than a lot of players. But, I mean, is 80, 80% Kevin Durant going to get you over the hump? I don't know. I don't know. Let's just say he isn't 100%. Let's just say he lost a step or two. And like I said, 80% Kevin Durant is still better than a lot of these players. But is that going to get you over the hump? I don't know. So I don't like how the way this thing is playing out in Brooklyn so far. I'll be back with more after this quick break. So with Dak Prescott, right? Dak Prescott. You know, the Cowboys offer him a nice, lengthy contract. <clears throat> they offer him a contract, $33 million per year. $33 million per year, $105 million guaranteed. Okay? They offered him that. They, they, you know, the Cowboys offer him that. Jerry Johnson and the Cowboys offer him that. You know, of course, Dak... <clears throat> doesn't take it. Dak doesn't take it. And when I see that Dak did not take it, that made me worry. That made me think, why didn't Dak take that contract? I mean, on over, I mean, all of us know, all of us kind of feel like, yeah, Dak isn't worth, he's not worth $45 million. He's not, he's not worth $40 million. Hell, some people don't think he's worth $35 million. Okay? So, why would he pass down such a deal? And I think this is a I think this would have been a good deal. I'm like, okay, the Cowboys, they, you know, they meet him somewhat, they meet Dak halfway. You know, Dak meet the Cowboys halfway. He's still getting 30 million, he's 30, he's still getting 30 plus million dollars. 
So I'm like, okay, why that? Well, you know, I'm thinking, okay, that's gonna take this, and I don't see Dak take this. I mean, I don't know, but market Dak is not gonna get more than this. With it being such a quarterback heavy off season, you get a quarterback in the draft, you get a quarterback in the off season. Nobody's gonna go out and spend thirty-seven to forty million dollars for Dak. Open market is just not going to do that. They're not going to do that for Dak. Because we all know he's not worth it. Now, I look at... You know, I, I don't like these type of deals. I don't like these long-term type of deals. Because... Historically... When teams pay their quarterbacks big-time money... Historically... When they pay, when they pay their quarterbacks big-time money... It doesn't always prevail, or it never, ever prevails due to the recent history since the turn of the century. Since the turn of the century, I have data that's backing me up that's saying when quarterbacks get paid the big bucks, how many, like, two of those quarterbacks have made the playoffs. When they finally get the big bucks, two of those quarterbacks have made the have made the playoffs, let alone win a Super Bowl. So I have numbers on my side stating, you know, hey, when the quarterback position is paid and it's paid such at such a high rate, and we all know the NFL is a hard cap league. It's a league with a salary cap. It's a league that you got you got to pay luxury taxes. You know, that salary cap in NFL is no joke. We all understand it. Well, some of us do. We all know it's kind of tough to play the, the, the quarterback, and then you have holes elsewhere in your offense. It's like a house. It's like a house. Okay? It's like, okay, the house down the street, four houses down the street, that house, you know, some whoever bought, the owner of that home, they bought it for about four hundred and fifty thousand dollars. And then the house across from your house, not your next door neighbor, but the house across your house, you know, the homeowner bought it for about four hundred and seventy-five thousand. Well, you're looking at the price of your home. You're like, wait, 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 wait. wait. I gotta pay five hundred grand for this home, even though. They're the same homes? Yeah. Yeah, you do. That's just how the market is flowing. That's just how the market is flowing. You got to pay your quarterback big time money. That's just the way how the market is flowing. But you're like, oh, 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 wait, 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 wait. That means we can't feel in other places. We can't feel other holes and weaknesses in our team. Yeah. Just like you do at home. You buy a home for 500 grand. Yeah, you overpay for the home, but it's like, okay, I got the home. But you're like, you know what make this house special? If I add a pool in the backyard. Well, 500 grand on a home, you know, you spent a lot of money already. Your funds, your pockets don't go that deep. Your pockets don't go that deep. And you can't get that extra thing now. Yeah, it's a good home, but it's like this home is really missing that. And that's what Dak is. Dak is a really good quarterback. He's a good quarterback. You know, nobody's saying that Jimmy Gar like the guys like Jimmy Garoppolo can't win a Super Bowl because he got you to eat. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo got you to the Super Bowl. Nobody's saying that a guy like Dak Prescott, that's Dak Prescott can't win you a Super Bowl. But what we are saying is, we all know Dak is not an elite guy. Some don't think Dak is a top 10 quarterback. Some think if you put the right pieces around him, he's maybe in that 11, that 10 to 14 range. Some, some people think he's in that range. But this, this, this is Dak Prescott. This is who he is. So why question that? Why bother that? Because this is who he is. He's a quarterback where, yeah, you 
might overpay for them. But if you do, you have to realize the circumstances. You have to realize what you just did. Because you're looking at a contract and you're like, oh, crap. Yeah, we, we overpaid. Oh, yep, we got a DB issue. We, we, we got a linebacker issue. You can't fill those holes no longer because of the act contract. You can't, you can't, you can't fill those holes no more. You can no longer fill those holes. And it's just like with a house. You might pay 500 grand for a house and like, uh, that price was a little steep. But you say, you know what would be good? If I can add a pool to that home. But your pockets are not looking that deep. And you say, ah, that 500 grand really broke me. I'm not going to be able to get that backyard, that pool in the backyard. That would make my house phenomenal. It would make my house the perfect house. Pockets not deep enough. Same thing with the Cowboys and Dak. Dak is good. Dak is really good. Dak is able to win games. Dak has won games. Dak has kept the Cowboys stable. But is Dak good enough to win you a Super Bowl? You're like, dang, Norman. We could, we could use a cornerback. Yeah, you can. We could use another receiver. We could use another defensive lineman. You're going to be thinking about those things. I just hope the Cowboys make the right decision. So, I'm going to come in here. Lastly, this is, my, this is my last topic. I'm going to give you guys my top tier basketball teams. My top tier basketball teams. Because I've had enough. I've had enough of people come out about the Rockets. One moment, they really like the Rockets. The next moment, the Rockets are not going to make it out of the first round. I'm going to tell you how I feel about these playoff teams. And I'm going to give you a tier. I'm going to give you guys different tiers on these teams that are in the playoffs. That are in the playoff picture. I'm going to give you guys these tiers. I came up with these tiers. I like the way how I've been thinking. I also told you guys when I did my NBA uh, playoff prediction, I said we're going to do this, you know, consistently, similar to how we did Isaiah's top 10 teams. So these are my top tier teams. I have came, I have come up with a tier system to rank these teams. Um, <clears throat> here goes the first tier. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna rank every team because, like the Warriors, they know they're bad. Cleveland Cavaliers, they know they're bad. I'm not gonna rank those teams. They're not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I'm, I didn't create tiers for those teams. But for teams like the Orlando Magic, the Memphis Grizzlies, the Wizards, the Brooklyn Nets, they are all in a tier where they have at some point this year have overachieved. Um. Some, like, especially Memphis, they've really overachieved with the roster that they have in the Rustin Conference, uh, led by a rookie in John Morant. With this roster, we looked at this as a rebuilding year for the Memphis Grizzlies. Not a year where they would be 500 at, the, at this point. Not we, they, we didn't look at this as a year where Memphis is sitting at the eighth spot at this point. We didn't see that for Memphis. So they have under overachieved. But this tier is the tier that has overachieved, but not quite good enough. This is the tier that I don't think they don't have a chance to win a round in the playoffs. They have probably very, they have very, well, they have very much will get to the playoffs, but I don't think they have a chance. And that's Orlando. That's your Brooklyn's. That's Memphis. That's the Wizards, if they can get in there. That is, those are the teams that I feel like have overachieved but just by looking at their roster. Or it may be injuries like Brooklyn and Wizards. It may be injuries where their other top 
tier guys, their top players have been hurt for most of the year, which Brooklyn had and the Wizards have experience. Okay, they've overachieved, but do they really have a chance to win a title? Hell no. Do they have a chance to win a playoff series? Hell no. So, no. But I'm going to put them in a respected tier. They have overachieved. They have done more than what people expect them to do. But they're not going to win the playoff series. The next tier is they made the playoffs. If they get the right matchup, they can be very interesting. And this tier includes the Mavericks, the 76ers, Indiana. Yeah, that includes that tier. That includes that tier. Dallas, 76ers, Indiana. That's the next tier. Where they're playoff level teams, and either they're led by uh, some really good some really good players like Luca. I think Luca is this generation's Larry Bird. I think I think Luca's this generation's Larry Bird with a seven foot three stretch uh, stretch shooting big in Porzingis. Both guys are very young. They have Dallas going the right path, but I don't think they can win a round. I don't think they can win two rounds in a playoff basketball. But if they do get the right matchup, if the Mavericks were to get the right matchup, be careful. <coughs> Same thing with the 76ers. Led by two young good players, you know, the 76ers have been struggling on the road, and they have been struggling to stay healthy. So, I don't really trust them going into the postseason. But one, one, the 76ers are one of those teams where, hey, they get the right matchup, be aware. And the Indiana Pacers, they have played well all year long without their star, Victor Oladipo. And that has turned Dante's, you know, uh, Sabonis, that has turned Sabonis into an all-star. And, you know, probably some, some people probably argue that the Pacers are probably in that, that upper tier that I just named where they have overachieved. But I feel like the Pacers team a little bit better. They get the right matchup. They can probably win a couple games in the series. They get the right matchup. They can probably win a couple games in the series. But the, the Pacers have overachieved. Um, you know, especially early on in the season, they have overachieved. Now, the next tier are tiers where maybe they can win around. But do you trust them long-term? No. And this is this tier. Houston. Oh, excuse me. OKC is also in that tier. The Thunder are also in that tier that I just named with Dallas, Indiana, and the 76ers. They get the right matchup, they can make some noise. But they're really over G. But the tier now, they can win a round, but do you really trust them? That's Houston, like I was saying. Houston, Miami, Utah, Denver. Yeah, they can win around. They can win around. But do you trust these teams long term? Do you trust these teams like going into a second round matchup? Conference finals? Nah. I don't trust these teams. I don't trust these teams. I don't trust... I know Miami presents, they present a lot of matchup problems and issues for Milwaukee, but do I trust them? I don't know. I just, I just have seen a lot of head-scratching losses. So, uh, I don't know. I'm shaky. I'm iffy. I'm worried of them. Utah, great potential. And, you know, as far as matchups that can cause some problems, perimeter defense is not the best, but they have lost. They, similar to Miami. Questionable losses. Do I really trust them? Mm, nah. Houston, explosive offensively, but when the game slows down the postseason, the refs swallow the whistle. Do I trust their stars? Mm, nah. I don't. In Denver, the Nuggets. I like Denver. They're very deep. And they they can win around. 
And they can give one of these LA teams a, a run for their money. But do I trust Denver long term in the playoff series to take down LeBron or Kawhi? Nah, I don't trust Denver at either. I don't I don't trust them either. They have they you know they don't have a consistent second or third option. Um Jamal Murray, he's been playing well, but I know he can get he can be very streaky at times, along with Gary Harris. So they they, they have good depth and they can play defense really well, but and they're young, but the second and third options, uh, don't trust them. And this next tier tier is they can really make some noise. Like they can really shake up some things. Toronto and Boston. Toronto and Boston are in that tier where they can really shake up some things. With Toronto, the reason why I don't have Toronto as a championship level team, because Pascal Siakam, yes, he has taken his game to the next level. Yes, he has shown us that he is an all-star level player. But in the postseason, is he a closer? Is he a closer similar to Kawhi? Uh, is he in the same conversation as far as like Kawhi and LeBron and AD? I don't, I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think he's quite in that conversation. Great player and has stepped up and taken accountability to for this team. And he's like really taking that full leadership role. And he's definitely the number one option. And I like how Toronto plays. They play very smart and they play really good defense. But... Uh nah, they 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 can really shake up some things. If they get in the postseason, it would not surprise me if they did disrupt some things. But, but as far as them winning a title or getting to the finals, that would be very tough for me to picture. But okay. And then Boston. Boston they don't have enough depth. Their bench production scares me. I like Jason Tatum. I like Kemba Walker. <clears throat> I like the pieces that they have on the wing with Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown. Gordon Hayward has returned. You know, he looked better. But I worry about their bench production. They're 29th in bench production, bench scoring, bench offense. 29th. So I worry about the lack of depth that the Celtics possess. But if the Celtics had a little bit more depth and a little bit more size, they can really shake up some things. But even with the roster that they have right now, the Celtics are still able to dis disrupt some things in the postseason. So those, that, that is my tier with the Celtics and Raptors where they're going to win the round and they're going to possibly shake up and disrupt the playoffs. If they get the right matchup. And then lastly, my top tier teams. These are the teams that I think will be playing in the finals. And these are the teams that I think will win. Will be they will all one of these three teams will ultimately be the NBA champion. And I really think the two LA teams are championship bound. Whatever team, whatever LA team wins the Western Conference, I think that's the team that wins the title. I think Milwaukee's good enough to get to the finals, but I worry about their second option. Is Chris Middleton gonna be, is he gonna be consistently the second option in big spots, in big moments? I worry about that. I don't worry about that with Anthony Davis. I don't worry about that with Paul George. I don't worry about that with those guys. More so than Chris Middleton, right? So, Milwaukee, I think they'd be good enough to get out of the Eastern Conference. I think it'd be, they, you know, Boston or Toronto would give them a run for their money to get out the Eastern Conference and Miami. But eventually, uh, I think overall they would get out of the East. But I don't think they have enough. I don't, I don't see a second option. I don't trust the second option. And then with the Clippers, good defensively. Great defensively on the perimeter. 
The only thing I worry about them is they got a lot of playmakers. They have a lot of guys. And, yeah, it's good to have a really good bench. It's good to have a strong bench. But in the last five minutes of the fourth quarter, you can only play five guys. You can only play five guys. I would like to see the Clippers develop that core rotation. With the Lakers, obvious. LeBron and AD. Some people have said this is not a great roster. Um, it's not a it's not a great roster, but it's a roster with two great with two top five players and some decent role players. A roster with top with two top five players and some decent role players, but they are really good defensively. Uh, with, when when they, when they are hitting three point shots, they're very difficult to beat. When the Lakers are hitting three point shots, they're very difficult to beat. When they're not hitting three point shots, they're very difficult to beat. But when you add the factor that they're able to hit the three ball and that the shooters are hitting the three point shot, makes them even tougher to beat. Plus, they have LeBron James and Anthony Davis. These are my three teams: Milwaukee, L.A. Clippers, and L.A. Lakers. These are my three teams that I have that's going to possibly be in the finals, that I think is going to be in the finals, and I think whoever wins the battle of L.A. between the Lakers and Clippers, I think that is going to be the eventual NBA champion going up against the Bucks in the finals. Those are my tiers for the NBA playoffs. Those are my tiers for the NBA playoff teams. Uh, thank you guys for listening. It's been a good one. Um, hope you guys come back. Shout out to all the first time listeners. Or shout out to all the last time listeners. Um, stay safe. The coronavirus, stay safe. Uh, it's it's I'm not I'm not gonna put I don't put a lot of stock into it uh, because I think it's I think this coronavirus is more fear-based. You know, and I think fear is false evidence appearing real. I that's what I think fear that is what to me, that is what fear stands for. False evidence appearing real. So the coronavirus, it is, you know, it's affecting a lot of people. It's, you know, it's getting a lot of people sick. So just, you know, stay sanitary, stay sanitized. Uh, be careful. If you do have such, if you have the symptoms of coronavirus, or if you have the virus, stay home. Quarantine, vaccines, stay home, stay away from the people to prevent from spreading it. But I see you guys. I catch you guys later. Um, thank you guys for listening once again to another episode. But you guys are doing, you guys are really doing a good job at clicking. Keep clicking, clicking, clicking away. Um, and also remember, two choices, one decision. Two choices, one decision. You guys could have chose any other platform, any other podcast to listen to. But you chose mine. Thank you, and I'm out.